Manx Radio Podcasts, powered by Shaw. Hello and welcome to this week's Countryside with Kiri Kermode and myself, Simon Clark. Well, I was honoured this week to talk to Professor Mark Winston, who uh, has wrote a very successful best-selling novel back in Canada and other places in the world as well. He was here on the Isle of Man as a guest of the Isle of Man Beekeepers Association, and what a fascinating story he had to tell um, from how he got involved in beekeeping and his fascination with bees and the book particularly, not about um, how to set your hives up and things like that, but about how people... You know, sort of in different communities have maybe helped the bee community and other places have thought they were helping but ruined it and uh, also I caught up with Harry Owens who's a renowned beekeeper here on the Isle of Man very experienced and uh, he gave us his thoughts on having such a prestigious guest here on the island and Kerry you've been uh, talking to the Isle of Man creamery people you know their success story is absolutely fantastic isn't it you know we speak to people uh, week in week out on countryside about how they've managed to try and diversify into something new and something different well milk and cheese and things aren't particularly different but the way the isle of man creamery is marketed and got fantastic products out there it's really paying dividend for them now isn't it it really is the dairy industry is going quite well on the isle of man at the moment and it's nice to see so many products getting sold off island to various parts around the world and everyone working closely together to make it happen and you can hear all about it in this week's countryside manx radio's countryside is brought to you by nfu mutual Well, over recent years here on Countryside as well, we've uh, featured some of the people involved in food production on the Isle of Man who have made a go of it and quite successful as well. One local success, of course, is the Isle of Man Creamery, Kiri, and you've been finding out from some of the people there about their success. Yes, the creamery has been going from strength to strength in recent years, and I caught up with Tim Sayers to hear about their sales off-island and how the creamery was going in general. It's been quite a busy one. We've, we've taken on a lot of projects this year some we're still seeing through for the for the back end of the year but yeah it's been been really successful especially in terms of awards the biggest success that we had was in the great taste awards in the the UK so we were fortunate enough out of 12,000 products food food and drink products that went forward for that we're fortunate enough to be one of the 165 that was selected this year for a three star award which is for the best top quality products in the UK and on top of that, then we got put forward to the Golden Fork Awards, which is the, the best of the best, basically. So we were through to the top 50 of that, and we were one of the uh, winners of that for the best food in the north of England. So absolutely blown over to, to, to receive what, we, what they call the Oscar of the food industry in the UK. Also, we've, we've had some other awards at the International Cheese Awards, won gold and silver for whey butter for that as well. And also, um, we got a bronze for our mild cheddar in the International Cheese Awards. So it has been a busy one, yes. <laughs> this is it. But you're also attending the local shows and the food and drink festival here. You're, you're still not taking your foot off the pedal. No, no. Uh, fortunately, I've got a really good team uh, here that really put the effort into the shows and obviously supporting the local economy and showing exactly what we're trying to achieve at the creamery and what we're working on is is great so they are a very very important part of our schedule for the year more so it's also an opportunity for our producers to get involved 
especially the likes of the food and drink where the producers are bringing down calves and also um, cows for, for milking demonstrations. So those guys put a lot of effort into it there. And it's all about demonstrating the whole farm to fork and the traceability of, of the Manx product. And I suppose you couldn't get better than that here on the Isle of Man with only having a smaller 32 farmers producing the milk. Yeah, abs- absolutely. You know, and it, It's testament to the quality of the milk. One of the biggest projects that we've worked on this year has uh, been around our grass-fed accreditation. We've probably not blown our trumpet enough about the quality of our milk on Ireland and it was through working with some of the, the US and UK retailers that identified that our days to pasture, our access to pasture for our herds on Ireland and also the percentage of the grass um, in, in the diet was extremely high and there's a value to it. So we saw a, a scheme in the UK where it was 50% grass fed and 180 days out of pasture. And where we've got to, a lot of work has gone into the background with the producers, with independent auditors. We're actually considerably higher than that on the island with 70% grass-based diet, 80% in the summer, and also over 200 days. So this is something that we really wanted to shout about to add value. And also when we go to our uh, export retailers, they also told us there would be value in this. So we've now worked with with DEFRA on all that, and that's all now accredited, so we can use uh, the grass-fed accreditation and talk around that. What's interesting is, is with that is the UK retailers that have a similar but lower standard scheme, they're selling that milk as a pasture promise milk at a premium. So it goes to show that, and this is what we're talking about with customers now, is it really is a high quality product that's produced here. The animal husbandry here on the Isle of Man it is second to none. We have such great farm assurance schemes. Obviously you have your own accreditation and this will have to be monitored fairly sharpish. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, uh, we used an independent person to, to come in and do that, an expert, to look at all the farms, collect all the data, and then see see basically where we're at. It really had to be detailed in terms of in terms of what we gathered. So actually, that's an ongoing scheme now. So an independent order to collect that data every single month, and on top of that, SAI Global as part of the farm assurance audits that are physically done every year as part of Red Tractor. They are also then auditing our grass fed on top, so it's independently done twice. We then feed that information back into DEFRA to say this is uh, the standards that we've achieved on every single farm and then it's ultimately their decision to to award us for the following year. So it's got full traceability. We're actually just launching a landing page for grass fed um, in the next, well it should be ready in the next two weeks. So consumers, so shoppers can actually go onto that, click on it and understand exactly what those clear standards are. But it just goes to show that grass-fed can have health benefits as well. Some of these products will be really, really good for people. Yeah, sure. I mean, cows were were meant to eat grass, to be honest. So the higher the percentage of the diet, the better. They actually, cows have a, a pH-neutral stomach, so, so not like us. And it's the perfect conditions for grass. So the other area of, of kind of health benefit for it is the higher the grass-based diet, the scientific research to say that produces more omega-3 and omega-6 in the milk, which then comes obviously into, into our dairy products. So there is a, a research-driven uh, health benefit to that. And it will certainly help with your sales, especially into the USA, because they're so mad keen on grass-fed. Absolutely. Um, it, it's big in terms of traceability. I think not just in that market. I think the shopper these days is a lot more aware of where the food comes from. 
I think they definitely want traceability and they see value in this. You know, there's a lot of research done to say many shoppers will pay more for a fully traceable, high quality product that they're confident in. So, so there's definite uh, plus points to it. But also our product, we don't use any hormones. Will this make it a, di- a point of difference as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a long term um, way of working for us really, you know. But in the US, you don't necessarily see that on their domestic cheese. So we do have a definite point of difference and the grass fed just gives us a bit more of a, a unique selling point that we can really talk to retailers about. And the range of products you have available, can it grow any bigger? I think it possibly can, yes. Uh, it's always a compromise because we do, we, you know, we're a, a composite uh, creamery doing milk, cream, butter and cheese, which is, is, is very rare. You know, we, we do all those for the reason that we want to uh, supply the, the Manx population with as many dairy products as we can. One of the areas that we're working at at the moment is developing a spreadable butter recipe which we've successfully done in partnership with an expert of Castle Dairies in North Wales. So we're going to be doing our full big launch come January and get that out to market. That's going to be in a 250 gram product. So we're really confident that there's a huge growth in that market. In fact, and £3 out of every £4 spent in the UK on butter is now spreadable. So I think our retailers and our shoppers that we've spoken to have been really open to this and, and that will be a real big push for us into 2018 at the very start of it. But having a product like this, it's up to date, it's what the housewife's looking for, it's modern. You know, you're selling into the UK, you've got some great supermarkets come on board as well. Yeah, it's been really positive for us. The UK market is very, very challenging to get into. You've got a lot of cheddar in that market it's extremely competitive so we we kind of have to have that point of difference which is around quality what's been a real success this year is we've managed to get into um every single market street which is the deli section of morrison's with our vintage cheddar so that's available in 400 morrison stores now across the uk so that's great to give us reach because we we constantly get emails through where can i source your uh, cheese in the uk and it's great to be able to do that so that's available in all deli sections at the market street and morrison's and also in July, we also secured Asda as well. So we're in 170 Asdas in the UK, and that's a 320 gram vintage wedge in our packaging. So it's been really, really successful to get some retail products into more retailers into the UK. And do you think some of the more traditional methods of making your products here at the Isle of Man Creamery make it different from everything else? Yes, certainly. I mean, um, the way that our creamery is, is is we're not like some of the big players that are making it in the UK. So we still have that artisanal aspect to our cheese making. It's only semi-automated. We have open tables. The cheese makers will actually hand salt, still hand salt the, the cheddar that we're making. So there is still that artisan part of our production cycle which is you know it's great and when we talk to a lot of the overseas retailers trying to get listings that certainly helps but the the farmers that are basically making this product it's generations worth of knowledge gone into some of these family businesses and to achieve and sell to usa uk they must be very proud yeah absolutely i mean we really really talk around the uniqueness of the isle of man when talking to a lot of these um, export markets I think one of the, the great ones is, you know, we talk about the generations of family farms that have been there. We can trace the cooperative back to 1934 
and then many of the family farms were around in the in the days preceding that. So it really is a strong story, and uh, I think we've got you know some some real heritage to talk about, which adds value. Uh, one of the greatest stats that you talk around is the furthest it travels is eighty miles into the creamery. So when you're talking to some of these big markets, it's you see a look on their face to think oh, <laughs> that's not very far at all so it does really really help us and you know it's testament to the quality of the of the milk that's produced on the island the end product's great but it must be a great connection between the isle of man creamery and the farmers a lot of feedback and talking with with each other yeah absolutely i mean uh, to, to be fair it's uh, it's it's just one big w- one big exercise really you know it's great that we can trace everything right back from from the field right through to the fort so we have to all work together and it absolutely makes sense you know so the the cooperative has been going since 1934 so you know clearly that business model has worked being 83 years down the line and it takes everyone involved to to make it happen that was tim sayers the sales manager from the isle of man creamery well what a great success story the isle of man creamery's there with their cream and their milk and their cheeses and a, a great success they've had over recent years. Well, another successful man in the world of honey and bees was a guest at the Isle of Man Beekeepers Association at the Noah Bakehouse last week. Professor Mark Winston is an award-winning writer and world expert on bees, and particularly pollination. And he's wrote a successful book called Lessons from the Hive, which was a bestseller back in Canada amongst many countries. I caught up with him before he addressed the audience at the Noah Bakehouse. There's a lot of books out there about the how, but Bee Time is more about the why. Bee Time, Lessons from the Hive, really focuses on the things we can learn from bees about our place in the world, about the environment, about collaboration, about communication. There's just so many things that bees have to teach us. So the book is uh, quite a bit deeper than just a how-to. When you've come here to the Isle of Man on the final stop, I mean, you've been out with Harry Owens, I think, today. What makes each place different? Is, is the small things as different or quite large things? It's a mix of both. What really strikes me about the Isle of Man is the small scale of agriculture creates an environment in which bees can thrive as opposed to back home where agriculture is very large scale, very chemically dependent and doesn't provide the kind of diversity that bees need and so that's quite different here. Your bee here is also very unique. The uh, black bee that you're using is ideally adapted to the Isle of Man environment and uh, would probably do very poorly in Canada, just as our bees would probably do very poorly here. Your, your black bee here is just very well tuned to um, the Isle of Man situation. What about talking to the different people? Is it the same sort of techniques they're using for keeping the bees in the hive and collecting honey and keeping them around certain flowers? You know, there's some basic things in beekeeping that are pretty much the same, but everywhere you go you find subtle differences in the hive design, in the timing of the way beekeepers manage things, in the interaction between the bees and the flowers. So beekeeping is a very unique it's the same all over the world, but also totally unique to every environment. Now, what is the fascinating thing for you with bees? I mean, you go quite deep in the book by the sounds of things. I think for me, it's the um, sense of calm and the collaboration that bees uh, have together. We live in a world that has become very divided, very adversarial, in which people debate and yell and scream at each other. Bee society works very differently. 
they put the society first and individual achievement is designed to further the society ends and not so much the individual ends. And I think we really have something to learn from bees from that. I think we need to learn a lot more about um, being in it for the common good rather than our own good. That's probably the key message for me and what bees have, um, bees have taught me. It's been a real guiding light in my life. And when did you first get a fascination with them? 1976. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it well. I do. I was down in South America. Uh, I was doing a PhD in entomology and I wanted to go to South America and my advisor had just gotten a grant to study the African killer bees. So I heard South America and went down knowing nothing at all about bees. And I write in the book about the first time I went into a beehive. just changed my life. I thought it would be a frightening experience and I found myself completely immersed in the um, life and times of the bee. And it's, I've never looked back. When I took the lid of our beehive and you, you look in and see thousands of them all huddled in together, some are still coming in and out and working away, and that's the sort of thing I think you were talking about before, that they're all working together and they've all got a purpose. Exactly, their purpose is the survival of the hive. But they're also individuals. A lot of our research was studying the differences between individual bees, either genetic differences or differences due to the hive environment that they would respond in different ways. Each bee does different things. She doesn't do all the same as her hive mates, but you sum it all together and those individual contributions make something much bigger than the individual. And that's been um, one of the you know, landmark things about the honeybee. You were quite surprised, I suppose, uh, I heard when you seen the bees flying around the Isle of Man today and pretty nippy day. It's the end of October and in Canada our bees are not out. Not at all? Not at all. There's nothing blooming. And there's nowhere in Canada that bees would be flying in this way, honeybees at least. And here, today was 10, 11 degrees. And your bees were actively gathering nectar and pollen from ivy, from gorse. So there's a lot of things blooming late into the season here. And the bees are uh, evolved to take advantage of that. They, uh, they don't stay in the hive when it's this cold. They're just adapted to, this, to the environment here. Is that, is that one of the fascinating things that you, you sort of like about them, that if they didn't really get out here in the cold and maybe murky and damp conditions, they wouldn't get any honey made? Exactly. They have to uh, get out there and feed on what's there when it's there. And they've evolved to uh, do that late in the season in collaboration with the flowers that are blooming this time of year. Of course, you've heard, obviously, from Harry and the beekeepers here about... Um, are bees and they're quite unique as well aren't they the, I think the is it how many places in the Isle of Man I think we're still varroa disease free or the Isle of Man is missing a lot of the major diseases and the pests that afflict bees in the rest of the world and that makes a huge difference to your beekeeping you know keeping importations of honeybees out of the Isle of Man is not only critical for you but I think it's an international resource to have a place where you can manage bees without the pests that we have, it's unknown elsewhere in the world. And even just for that reason, needs to be maintained. What's the most fascinating thing about a bee that you've learned over the times? I think the uh, intelligence of bees is maybe the most fascinating. Bees have a brain the size of a pinhead. Yet they can go out, find flowers, bring them back, communicate with their nestmates, uh, listen to each other chemically, visually, with sound, with vibrations and uh, they do all that with a tiny, tiny brain. 
and I just have a lot of respect for that uh, just great intelligence that they have. They're not just nipping out to a flower that's five yards around the corner. Like, well, they no, they, they can go up to um, up to ten miles, really. Really? And they usually try to stay a little bit closer to home. But to go out that far and find your way back, I mean, think about the challenge. They have to learn the landmarks. And as they're flying, they're orienting to the polarized light that the sun produces. But you have to remember that the sun is moving. So they might go out for 10, 15 minutes, forage for half an hour, and then fly home. And in all that time, the sun has moved. And they have a time correction sense in their brain that t tells them how far the sun has moved and corrects their orientation. So using the sun's rays, they fly back in the right way. That's remarkable. Certainly is. Now, where has your book and your fascination taken you around the world? Uh, it's been all over Australia, New Zealand, all over South America, North America, Europe, UK, Ireland, here. So bees, um, beekeepers like to learn about bees. They're very social that way. So I've had a lot of opportunities to travel the world. And how has the, the book gone down? People who have read it, what, what feedback have you had? The uh, book has done very well. It was... It wasn't only beekeepers. It um, was a national bestseller in Canada. It was on the bestseller list for about seven months. And it was actually the number one bestselling book in Canada for four about four weeks. So it really resonated with the general public as well as with the beekeepers. So people who may not knew nothing about bees before and never really wanted to keep bees, but this is an insight more, I suppose, in, into the insect and wildlife world. Very much. People relate to bees. They, I think because bees are social and we're social, they really um, click. And so the, bee, the book has had a great resonance with um, a very broad general public readership. Well, we'll better let you get up here and uh, do your talk. There's a lot of people coming in now and waiting for it. So uh, good luck and thank you. It's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you very much. Well, what a gentleman. Professor Mark Winston, uh, with his book there that he signed for me as well, Lessons from the Hive. He was a guest of the Alaman Beekeepers Association at the Noah Bakehouse. And just not the book about, of course, um, you know, how to keep bees and how to do your hives and things. More about the history of how uh, it all got going and how people got involved in it and how particularly they are just uh, a little bit like the human race. It is absolutely fascinating how important bees are to everyday life and to have people like these interested in keeping the knowledge going and promoting how important that they are, it is absolutely essential to everyday life. <sighs> Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, Harry Owens is one of the most renowned beekeepers here on the Isle of Man, and I caught up with him at the Noah Bakehouse while I had the chance. Dr Mark Winston is uh, well-renowned in, in the literary side of, of uh, beekeeping as well as other researchers into insects of all types of pollinators and all that. A remarkable man, actually. Very quiet man, but... Uh, he knows what he's talking about and, he, and he's well thought of in university-wise in Vancouver where he's a doctorate, has a doctorate there and in fact uh, we're very fortunate to have him purely and simply through my connections or my connections with the Northern Ireland Institute of Beekeepers and he spoke there uh, last week 
he then went to the Southern Ireland and spoke at Westport and somewhere in Sligo. So he's been whizzing around Ireland and quite intrigued. But one of the things that intrigued me was he said, Ireland is green, he said, but the Isle of Man is greener. <laughs> and I thought, how oh, nice. <laughs> He was fairly fascinated he by was. the by the bees flying in this cold oh, he weather. Was. Well, they'd never get out, I told them. Yeah, yeah, yes. They don't uh, bother to put their noses out. But I showed him some bees at home, and, and what have you. And uh, he was he was amazing. I'm saying they're on the hibbon, you know, the ivy, and he was really really intrigued with that because he said they closed down in in uh, over there. There's nothing for them, so they're feeding them long before we even think about it you know i've got the my hands on the book here yes. uh, b team lessons from the hive yes when you see the be thousands of books won't there about yeah. how to set your hive yeah. or put the lid on how to get the mm. honey out what suits yeah. to buy yeah but this book isn't about that no, no. he's fascinated by bees themselves yeah as well as all the pollinating insects actually it's it's like a, a philosophy of uh, looking after the the environment we live in and making people aware that uh, if you if you destroy the pollinators, we destroy our food source because without them we're finished. And uh, this is this is one of the, the great thrusts in, in, in modern uh, uh, literature is is this um, thrust about looking after the insects we've got. And and I mean one of the things I've heard lately is uh, at one time you used to have to clean your windscreens for the insects. It doesn't happen anymore. No. If you notice, so we have a decline in insects, and that is that is essential for the whole uh, infrastructure of, of life. Well, you may have beaten them in some respects, though, Harry, because he said his fascination <laughs> with bees only started in 1976. Yours oh. could have been before that. Oh yes, oh yes. I'm, what was I'm your start and fascination with it? Um, I, I I was a, a, a member of the Alban Electricity Board. I started in 1952 and I was intrigued because I worked in the distribution side and out and about and see bees and all this and peck, see fallen trees of bees in and I always wanted to keep them. But I lived in Royal Avenue Wonkin and you can't keep bees in Royal Avenue Wonkin. <laughs> so as soon as I, I, I got promotion in the electricity board, I was in the power station in Peel, I bought them a plot of land in St John's opposite Slewellian. Uh, and well, as soon as I bought it in February, I went and bought uh, two hives off a guy called Bill Clayton and actually anybody of the old soldiers will remember Bill Clayton and that's started me off and that's 50 years ago near enough and you're still doing it today oh yeah I love yeah, it yeah. and you never stop learning either Be, bees, even now you, oh God, you don't know no, everything certainly don't <laughs> um, they'll, they'll actually bring you to task the bees they, they'll make uh, make a fool of you if you're not careful <laughs> But there you go. It's going to be a fair. You've had spent the day with Mark, yeah, of course, today. And yeah, yeah he's, he's, um, he's actually uh, also fascinated with the Isle of Man. And I, he, he would like to come back and, with his wife and do a walking holiday here. Because I, I showed up in the tops, Druidale and that today, and, and round about Peel and little windy streets in Peel, walked round Peel Castle. He's intrigued with the Isle of Man. Be a good man to have on board. Absolutely. No question about it. Well, always a pleasure talking to Harry Owens, uh, one of the most respected and uh, experienced beekeepers here on the island. I had the pleasure of meeting Harry a few months back and we had a great chat on how many people from around the world are getting in touch with the beekeepers here on the Isle of Man to see if they can pick up some bees to bring into their colonies to make them also disease-free because we are so lucky that our bees are so healthy. But uh, the knowledge that that man has and able to transfer onto young beekeepers is just phenomenal and I hope it just continues. 
Manx Radio's Countryside is brought to you by NFU Mutual. Well, a good programme this week for people who uh, may be thinking of expanding their bee uh, colonies or wanting to get into beekeeping. It really is a fascinating story and uh, so honoured we were and the Isle of Man Beekeepers Association to have Professor Mark Winston here on the island talking about that best-selling novel as well, Bee Time, and also telling us about his experiences and how he got involved. And of course, Harry Owens here on the Isle of Man, very, very experienced and very well respected as well in the beekeeping world here locally. And uh, the Creamery, uh, that's uh, another great success story here on the Isle of Man, and long may that continue. But we'll leave it there for this week. Please join us next week with more from Countryside. So from me, Simon Clark. And from me, Kerry Kermode. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Don't sit in the slow lane. Join the fast lane right now with Shaw's all-new Superfast Plus Broadband. Enjoy more bandwidth, amazing speeds and the best value on the island from just £23.95 per month. So don't be left behind. Get a piece of the high-speed action with Superfast Plus Broadband from Shaw. For details, visit our stores in Douglas, Ramsey and Port Erin or click shore.com. Love being sure. Terms and conditions apply.